Exact Nature's all-natural CBD-based products are specially formulated to help you with addictive cravings, depression, anxiety, or even improving sleep. Founded by a father and son in recovery, they truly understand the needs of the sober community. Learn more at exactnature.com and as a listener of the Sobriety Diaries, use the code TSD20 to receive 20% off. Exactnature.com. Welcome to the Sobriety Diaries, friends. My name is Nate. I am a grateful recovering alcoholic six years from my last drink. My sobriety is such a huge part of who I am. I decided that I needed to help others find their voice and share their journey too. The Sobriety Diaries is a video podcast where we share powerful stories of recovery told by those who live them. Head on over to thesobrietydiaries.com where you can join our insiders list for exclusive content, early release episodes, and more. Also, please share this podcast with just one person in your life who may still be struggling. You just never know what they may need to hear today. Recovery is possible. Happy Sober Day, friends. Thank you so much for downloading today's episode and spending part of your day with me here on the Sobriety Diaries. Today is a special day, and I've been reflecting on the podcast as we are coming up on our one-year anniversary of our first episode, and I was talking to my friend Abby Jean, who some of you may know from the Sobriety Diaries and also the other podcast that I host with her, uh, The Influence, and I said, hey, you got to listen to episode one and listen to how far I've come and I sound a little nervous and, of course, a little green and unsure, but the message is still so powerful. And Amber's story is one that still sticks with me to this day and is very relatable. I thought that today would be a perfect day to revisit episode one and revisit Amber's story uh, here on the podcast. So uh, I've remastered the episode a bit and cleaned things up, edited the episode to uh, sort of the style uh, that episodes are now on the podcast. But I thought that it was the perfect time to open the diary and revisit episode one with Amber. Hi, Amber. How are you today? Hi, Nate. I'm great. Thanks for asking. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for agreeing to be candid and honest today. Um, what made you decide to share your story with us? Um, well, I'd say over the past year, I've started being more open about um, my experience as an addict. Uh, I was uh, kind of closeted, if I can say, like, I didn't tell anyone, I kind of hid it from everyone. So I guess um, one of the reasons I decided to speak about it is because for me, recovery has so much to do with being accountable. And 
I feel like the more I speak about it, the more accountable I am to myself. Because even though I've been sober, it's not just like a, a cut and dry thing. Uh, it's a struggle, not like every day, but there's still challenges. It's still a fight. You're an addict forever, even in recovery. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a, um, you know, they say one day at a time and we, we work yes. on it every day, don't we? Yes, yes. Do you feel as though your sobriety is in jeopardy today? Um, no, I personally don't. But um, my sister and I started our sobriety journeys together and she recently relapsed and she was sober for longer than I was just for a few months. But it made me actually realize that um, it could uh, it could happen. Um, it's a potential. I also know a lot about relapse rates and uh, the first five years, your relapse, the relapse rates are high. Right. But personally, no, I, I don't I don't feel like I am in jeopardy of relapse. Great. Glad to hear that. So let's open the diary on Amber. The floor is all yours. Okay. Okay. So before I begin, I would just like to say if I seem nervous and breathing deeply, just understand, um, obviously, it's a scary topic for me to talk about. When I was a teenager, I was actually very anti-drugs. Um, I thought drugs were terrible. I always said I'd never do drugs. Um, I had a, a difficult childhood, but a happy childhood, like I was close to my family. But um, a tragedy in my family happened. My mom got arrested. She got involved in some stuff that she shouldn't have been involved in. And when she came out of jail, she was completely changed. And um, she was using drugs and slowly over time, she kind of encouraged my sister and I to start using drugs as well. Um, I was about 17 at the time and it got like very dark. She kind of uh, forced us into a position where we were like um, doing things that we shouldn't have done to support our habits, things that I'm ashamed of now, um, things that children shouldn't be doing. So, um, yes, when, um, okay, some uh, long story short, um, when I was 19, my mom passed away, sorry. And um, when she passed away, I was only 19 years old. So obviously I wasn't like financially independent or anything. So I moved in with my aunt. And for the first four months after my mom died, I was living with my aunt. I didn't have access to drugs because I was unemployed. But um, to be honest, the drugs kind of fell by. I didn't think of them too much because I was happy living with my aunt and my cousins. But I started working and a few months after working, I started hanging out with the bad crowd and I fell back into using the drugs again. And um, shortly after this, my cousin approached me and asked me if I would like to go to university and uh, study psychology. So uh, um, I actually always loved learning, even though I was like a junkie. I don't like to say that, but like that's how I viewed of my, like I viewed myself at the time. I just thought I was like a useless junkie. Now I realized like I needed help. Um, I had like a, a disease. Um, but 
She asked me if I wanted to go study psychology and I said yes. I was still using drugs very heavily at the time. And um, when I went to study psychology, I started using drugs more than ever before because the drugs I was using, like they could be abused like as performance enhancers. So I would take and I would stay up for days and days and just do all my assignments. And then I would reach a place where I'd taken so much, I'd be so sick, like lying in the bathroom, just throwing up, couldn't sleep. I would be like scratching away at my face, um, trying to do anything so that I could fall asleep. Um, and it, you know, like to varying degrees was on and off like that from the time I was 17 to the time I got clean at 27. It was just me every day uh, to varying degrees, sometimes like um, like really down in the pits, taking nonstop, wouldn't eat, wouldn't do anything, just wouldn't shower, wouldn't do anything. I would just take drugs and do all my homework all the time. I was getting like um, high distinctions. I was the, um, uh, the third highest um, psychology student. Sorry, my, my English is out the window now uh, in the grade. like. Everyone just thought, wow, this girl's fantastic. But meantime, I was like completely wrecked. But um, one day I had taken so much and um, I finished my supply that I had of the drugs. And I could actually feel like I felt so sick from taking so much. But my tolerance was so high at that point. I'd been taking for 10 years. So... I convinced myself that I need to buy more. Like, you know, you always convince yourself like that you need to buy more. You justify it. Right. You make it seem like it's completely rational. So I was like, yeah, if I buy more, I'll clean, I'll clean up the house. I'll, I'll finish my assignment, whatever. So I bought more. And at that point, I had to like be taking deep breaths to walk down the stairs to get it because I was so close to throwing up from having taken so much. And when I got downstairs, I, I got the, the drugs and like I felt that rush of excitement, like I had to get upstairs and take immediately. So like I got up and I did my whole prep, like it's a whole little prep mission. That's part and of it, I, isn't it? The, yes, it's the like, get the getting of the supply and the whole routine that we follow. Yes. And and yeah, I completely understand yes, that. The the control, like I'll take every hour and, yes. and maybe sometimes you can extend that and then you feel like a little bit proud of yourself. Like, oh wow, I took every two hours this time. And right. you, then you feel like you're controlling the drugs, not like the drugs are controlling you. And it's like so perverse and crazy. Like um even when you don't want it, you feel like you should be wanting it. Like um, you'll wake up and then you'll you'll be like, oh, but this was the time that I used to have a line. So even though I'm not really in the mood for it now, like I feel like I should be. It was so it was so crazy. Okay, so at at that stage, I was already having like this massive feeling of cognitive dissonance, like that I felt like I needed the drugs, but I already knew that I shouldn't do it because I think that psychology, studying psychology was a huge turnaround in my life it made me start to understand the nature of addiction and like how the human mind worked I, I started to feel like so many people were just studying psychology because they had to or they didn't know what to study but for me it was really helping me it was making me understand how my brain was working 
but I still couldn't break I still couldn't break it you know but um, after I bought that extra bit and I took immediately I could just feel the the sickness come up sorry to be graphic and I ran to the bathroom and I just started like being sick like violently violently sick and I was like so violently sick that I actually physically had to hold the toilet bowl because like my body was like so uh, violently ill and um, afterwards I was just like literally holding the the toilet bowl lying on it in case I was going to throw up again and I just started crying and I said you're killing yourself you know and you're just way too smart for this like you are actually killing yourself is this what you want so I just got up and I took my phone and I recorded myself and I just kept it on record like recording myself throwing up and feeling really sick and like I was just talking to myself like having a full-on conversation with myself like on the video like how can you be doing this to yourself you've given up the best years of your life you know your 20s for the you know for drugs so I got um I stopped taking drugs like cold turkey right there and then two weeks later I wanted to like celebrate my success by buying drugs but I managed to hold out but um yeah I started drinking heavily at that point that's the the problem I started drinking really heavily but um after like a year of drinking really heavily I got arrested for drinking and driving um luckily it was thrown out of court because of like a technicality so I didn't get in trouble but I was really scared that I was going to lose my boyfriend at the time that he had like just had you know it was the last straw so that drove me to stop drinking but yeah it was really difficult very difficult wow thank you sorry like no. very emotional but I haven't I, I, like I, actually felt it out like that before I, I can relate to so much of what you said that is um you did amazing thank you so much I wow I feel I feel so connected to you right now um when you were talking about your um being in the bathroom and and just having that moment of realization I on the last day that I had a, a sip of alcohol which was October 9th of 2015 I was in the bathroom and I was vomiting and my body was just shutting down on itself and and I had this moment of realization where I I was brushing my teeth and and gagging because I I couldn't I couldn't take the toothbrush even being anywhere near my mouth or throat and I had I, I just looked up into the mirror and had this moment of realization similar to yours about what why are you doing this to yourself now this has been over 15 years of just beating your body up and it's begging for you to stop and that is the day that I sought treatment and and I went to a detox facility and, and ended up doing six weeks of inpatient rehabilitation so I give so much kudos to people who 
quit cold turkey or sort of just um you know took took the bull by the horns and really took their sobriety and recovery into their own hands so i i praise you for that um, i'm not sure Thanks that so i could much. have done it so that that takes a strong person Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, I'm curious about going into the, the field of psychology. And do you think deep down that was sort of step one of, of trying to subconsciously figure out your addiction and perhaps like start the road of recovery even before, you know, even while you yes. were using? I wouldn't even say it was subconscious because... Um, like when I was in that crazy frame of mind like I was constantly high when I was in university constantly like every single day yeah. so um, I started becoming so fascinated by the aspects so I started to like look for them like I became obsessed with it um, that drug that I took like made you very obsessive with whatever you were doing yeah so I'd become like super obsessed with it and like in some weird way the drugs like actually made me like you know, I don't want to give credit to the drugs in any way, right, obviously, because right. they wrecked my life. But yeah, are you comfortable saying what what drugs you were taking? Yes, but I don't want to cause like confusion for anyone because um, it has um, it's a South African drug, exclusively okay. only found in South Africa. But they have another drug by the same name in the Middle East, but they're not the same at all. So the drug is called Cat. It's like um, a powder. You um, take it up your nose, yeah. inhale it. And um, in a way, it's similar to crystal meth because it gives you like that alert, awake feeling. But sure. it doesn't put you out of your mind the same way that crystal meth does. It actually makes you like hyper, hyper focused. You get so focused to the point that you get paranoid because you're like focused on everything. And that's why it's like a performance enhancement, because like if you're studying, you are so focused, like nothing can distract you. You know, there is a debate whether, um, you know, it's hereditary and we're born mm -hmm. with a trait or genes that um, sort of predispose us to addiction. Um, and there is also the debate that our upbringing and our exposure to certain things, I think, lead to our addiction. and. Um, just hearing that, that story of, um, you know, a, a parent and, and one that perhaps should be guiding us through life and teaching us things was doing just the exact opposite. My, my heart just goes out to you. And I, I appreciate that you sharing that with us today. Um, do you hold a resentment, um, to your mother have you been able to um perhaps forgive her um it's so strange that you asked that because for the first time like since i stopped drinking i was really really thinking about it today like a major part of recovery is about forgiving other people and forgiving yourself like for the number one thing is forgiving yourself like i have to forgive myself for all those times i fucked up like i really have to and I try so hard to forgive my mom, but um, I really do resent her because, like, I don't have children of my own, but I have nieces, and I could never do that to them. So, yes, I hold a lot of resentment to my mother. One of the last times that I was drinking, 
um like when I used to drink I used to go get like absolutely crazy not like physically violent but verbally violent and aggressive and I was not a good person me too um we share that we share that in common yeah Yeah, I was complete trash to people I don't even know how my boyfriend stood by me honestly that guy is a he is such such a blessing because I would have left me the way I behaved but um yeah like um one of the last times I was drinking I was hanging out with my gran and we're talking about the stuff that my gran used to make my I mean that my mom used to make my sister and I do for money and just to make it clear it wasn't sexual stuff we weren't having sex for money but it was still bad illegal stuff that she was making us do for money and some of it was of a sexual nature but we weren't having sex with people but um, mom, uh, my grand and I were talking about it and then my grand started to justify what my mom had done and she said she was trying her hardest she was just trying to provide for my sister and I and I was like completely drunk but my grand is really old so she doesn't notice so I stood up and I just completely lost it and I was like I don't want to hear one more fucking time that my mom tried the best for us she destroyed our fucking lives. she didn't give a shit about us she hated me she didn't love me and I don't want to hear that so don't say that to me one more fucking time. And I completely lost it. And that was also one of my motivations for stopping alcohol. Like the way that I spoke to my gran in that moment, like I was completely wrecked. And my gran was actually like scared. Yeah. You know, like that actually stays with me. She was like, okay, I'm sorry. I won't say it again. And I'll like, I actually scared my gran, you know, but. Yeah, that's tough. It's hard. It's just hard to hear that kind of nonsense all the time. Sure. So how about we change gears a little bit? Yes, (laughs) no problem. Yeah, let's let's talk about um, your life in recovery. And um, let's talk about some um, benefits that have come into your life because of um, not drinking and drugging. And uh, let's talk about some positivity. Okay, yes, definitely. <laughs> so um, being sober has been amazing. Uh, a lot of times being challenging, of course. Of course. But um, I think one of the, the best things that I got from being sober was my independence. Like um, before I was sober, I, um, I was with my ex-boyfriend. It was a very unhappy relationship, but I was just staying in it because he was very like um you know when you're on drugs and alcohol and the financial situation is really good you just stay there because you're so happy that the drugs and alcohol are continuously flowing sure. in you know? it's comfortable yes it's comfortable like um of course i loved him but the reason i was staying was because i was completely addicted um so when i be- when i got sober i became like very independent and that was one of the things that I love the most I love having my my independence I feel like I only grew up really in my late 20s like I missed my whole 20s like um the memories kind of just gone so I only really grew up now and I'm really enjoying that um I'm also really enjoying like the the type of relationships that I get to have with people now like um some of my relationships I can't repair because they've been too far messed up but um 
it's it's really weird to have like such uh, I don't know how to say pure relationships but like yeah relationships that aren't like all twisted around drugs like right um you know like hanging out for drugs and everything around drugs so that's really nice as well um yeah and I like that people can uh, depend on me and rely on me and like someone asks me if I can do something and I actually get it done so yeah it's it is really nice yeah one of I think that trust and dependability that comes with um, being sober for a bit of time is rewarding, um, which it may seem very simple to those people who aren't Mm -hmm. addicts or have been uh, distrustful in the past. But I think one of the simplest things for me was my sister and brother-in-law, um, vacationing or being out of town and asking me to house sit for them and check in on the house and being trusted with, you know, their garage code and key to their house where before I I probably, you know, would have been rummaging through their, their alcohol closet and not um, been trusted with that. And it seems so simple, but it uh, shows that uh, work and that time that you can get under your belt. So I can relate to that for sure. Yes. And I actually really wanted to say that that is so um, important. One point out of uh, what you were saying is really important that you have to give people the time to, uh, to trust you again. You can't be upset with people for not trusting you. Like you were messing up for years and years and years and people, you need to earn their trust, um, their trust again. That's really important because I think along the way, people are always getting so upset that, why can't you trust me? I've been right. sober for X uh, amount of time, but they need time as well. Right, exactly. And it's on their own time frame. You know, yes. you can't rush it. You can't yes. um, ask for it to happen. You can't prompt anything. It's they, they have the right to, you know, make it on their own um, terms as if well. If they want to or not, yes. <laughs> right. Are you doing anything to help um, any addicts who are still struggling? No, no, I'm not. At one stage, I, I kind of was. Nothing like um, official, but I would just talk to family members of addicts and, and stuff and like tell them, give them advice, you know, kind of, you know, don't enable them. Um, love love them by being a little bit tough you know I really believe that you have to be tough with uh with addicts um but now unfortunately no uh I have to be honest one of the negative um things about my new life is that I've kind of fallen from one addiction into a more acceptable addiction which is like being a workaholic so um I'm like now at this point where I'm working like 70 to 80 hours a week so I I am of the belief that we um, are pre sort of predetermined for uh, addiction and um, that it is partially hereditary. So Mm -hmm. you hear of so many addicts who transition um, a drug or alcohol addiction to another addiction, Mm -hmm. food, shopping, working. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just hear that of that kind of stuff. Right. I hear it so much and see it so much that I have a hard time not believing that we are born with, you know, wired this way. Um, I I completely agree with that. 
Yes, I do definitely think there's a big genetic um, element because I can even remember as a, a young child, like um, when I was around 10 or nine, my sister and I used to get like this kind of excitement about breaking into the alcohol cabinet and drinking alcohol at that young age. But it wasn't like, it wasn't just in this playful way that most kids are. It was, it yeah. was darker than that. Uh, and I realize that now it was almost like the, um, the, it was almost like the early stages of addiction all the way deep down in my childhood. Yeah. I can look back at different events in my life and not realize that it was playing into my addiction then. But now that I know what I know and I've been through what I have, I can relate different events um, to sort of the progression of my disease to the point that it got to. Um, what else? Do you have any questions for me, Amber? Um, not, uh, not particularly, um, except for um, like, what difference do you think there is between being like an alcoholic and a drug addict? Because I was primarily a drug addict at who moved over to alcohol because yeah. I can be around alcohol now and not drink, but I know that I can't be around drugs for an extended period of time and not take the drugs. Yeah. So do you think there's a difference? I think, um, personally for me, I do not. I think it is that, um, it, it is that mindset. Well, you know, it's a, it's a physical for me, a physical addiction and an obsession of the mind. So it starts with the obsession for me. So I obsess about it. It's the routine. It's going to the liquor store, buying it, mm. you know, having it in the back seat in a certain bag, it's walking up, it's putting it in the freezer for an hour. It's, you know, it's mm. the whole routine, the mental obsession that drives me to either the alcohol or the drug, which then creates the physical need to yes. continue to do it so that my body is not detoxing. So personally, no, I, I, I don't think that there is a difference between, yes. you know, a drug addict and an alcoholic. I think we act in the same way. And I think it's born of that mental obsession. Yes. So do you think that you can uh, become an addict or do you think that every, or not every addict, but let's say majority of addicts have like a genetic predisposition? I do. Yes. In my opinion. Yes, I do think yeah. so as well. Like my grandfather was an addict. My mom was an addict. My sister and I were addicts. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I mean, I definitely have an addictive personality because I see myself getting addicted to many different uh, things in my life like I still have this addictive personality with things that are more like socially acceptable and not so life destroying same same with me yeah right now it's diet coke that may seem silly but it's yeah. like I am addicted to diet coke right now yeah I, I swear like I have an addiction to chili like okay when I say chili I know Americans always think I mean like the Soup. thing with beans and stuff. Yeah. I don't mean that. I mean like hot, spicy. spicy. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> I'm not hungry, but as soon as you tell me it's spicy, I'm like, Ooh, Ooh. I'm hungry. Do you carry a, a can of chili with you and put it on everything? 
No, no, no. <laughs> um, um, I think this was actually my next obsession was that I started becoming really obsessed with eating super healthy. So now I don't eat anything out of jars or packets or anything. So you see, it's always like yeah, one right. thing or another thing or another thing. Yeah, yeah it's that I, I get the same way. And it starts with that mental obsession for me. Yeah. But um, uh, I would like to say that my worst day off drugs is better than my best day on drugs. Amen. So, yes. Amen. Yeah, I... Thank, thankfully, I, I do not have an urge to, to drink alcohol uh, anymore. Yeah. And that obsession went away fairly quickly for me. Um, but I, I have to replay that tape and think about all of the worst times because I know that yeah. I can get back to that place so quickly. It's mm-hmm. not going to take 10 years again to progress to the point that I was at when I decided to get help. Yes, um, definitely what you're saying is like so so accurate. Like I just think of the time that I um, I quit for almost a year and my sister quit for more than three years and we both relapsed. And the crap thing about relapsing, um, especially in my sister's case, she relapsed after three years, is she went straight back to those quantities that she used to consume before. And she really cannot tolerate it. it That's why you. It's really scary. Yeah, there, in the area of um, the country that I live in, there is a, a opioid epidemic, and you see so many people that relapse and think that they can handle the amount um, or yeah. that their tolerance is where it was, and mm. you know, it's 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 tragic. I just hope that if anyone does watch this and someone is struggling, um, don't think that you can't do it. And there's also this belief um, or the saying in like, I don't want to bash anyone's journey. Everyone has their own journey, but there's this like saying in um, like rehabilitation centers. That's quite popular um, kind of saying that you're helpless to drugs, you're helpless to alcohol And I don't want anyone to feel that way. You have power over drugs and you have power of alcohol. At the end of the day, it's a disease, but it's a choice and you can beat it just one day at a time. So I hope this can help someone. Thank you so much, Amber. Thanks so much for listening today, friends. Hopefully you heard something that resonates with you. And if we help just one person, our job is done. Make sure you check out today's show notes for all of the information on today's episode and how to connect with our guests. You can find all things podcast related and subscribe to our show at thesobrietydiaries.com, youtube.com slash Nate Kelly, where we upload today's video podcast and on Instagram at the Sobriety Diaries pod. Check back every Wednesday for new episodes with new stories to tell. But until then, try your best not to drink and be good to yourself. Bye, friends.